Lord, we want to pray today that you uh, would help us to listen, that we would hear you, uh, you train our hearts, that when we walk between these curtains, uh, that for 70 minutes, our ears are open to what you want to do in us today. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, take a seat. If you haven't already, please. Morning. Hey, I, I just, uh, my name is Jim, and I'm one of the pastors here. Before we get rolling, I just want to say, um, you know, for whatever reason, this time of year, we end up getting a lot of new people uh, that come and check out Ascent. I just want to say, like, a really special welcome to you. We're so glad you're here. Uh, it doesn't matter at all whether you've been to church ever before. Uh, we're really glad that you joined us today. And if you're interested in taking a next step at our church, you can fill out. There's a little newcomer card you can fill out and take it right right. In the back corner there, on the other side of that curtain, there's a next steps area. Uh, we always give a gift to new people, so there's a gift there for you. And if you give us your card, you'll get on our email list so that we know. We'll just make sure you know what's going on at the church. We'd love to see you get involved here, so welcome. Um, I, I don't love overly dramatic statements. I try not to make them. Uh, but I want to make a dramatic statement right now that I actually believe is true. When you woke up this morning, a fight started. I don't mean with your spouse or, you know, whatever, your kid. There was a fight that started when, when, the, uh, when the alarm went off or when the bird, that annoying bird outside your window or your parents poked you or whatever it was that woke you up. A fight started this morning over what you will think about today. A fight started about your mind. A fight began on what is going to control and dominate what you think about today because what you think about will influence the way that you live. On, on, there's two little armies that lined up this morning when you opened your eyes. On the one side of your brain, you know, you had this fight of um, anger and bitterness and pessimism and negativity and apathy. Those guys lined up this morning ready to go at you. Meanwhile, on the other side, a little better army lined itself up. Gratitude, grace, positivity, focus, joy. Guys, those things lined up this morning in your mind, and they are, make no mistake, it's a fight. Those ideals are going to be at each other today, right now, tomorrow morning when you wake up, this fight will start again. And you know, man, I, a lot of days the left side wins. On me, anyway. We are talking about a series called Recharge. The Bible is so clear that one of the most key things you can do for your faith and your walk and your, um, you following Jesus Christ is to recharge your mind, to renew your mind. You know, you think about this. There's so many things in life you cannot control. You know, I, I can't generally control some things that could happen to me around my health. You know, I can do some things, but I can't control that. I, I cannot control often my feelings or emotions. I can't just make myself happy. A gift that God gives us, though, is that we can, to some extent, control what we think and what we allow ourselves to intake that influences our thought life. The irony is what we think then often impacts how we feel. As the mind is so key, cannot understate it. In fact, you read this in the scripture all over the place. Paul, when he was writing a letter to the church in Rome, a book called Romans, he had this to say about it in chapter 12. He said, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, 
right? There's a lot of different stuff out there the world's going to want you to buy into, do whatever. Don't copy that stuff. Let, the, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Leave that up there for a second because um, I want you to notice something. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? He could have filled this in with a lot of different ideas. Instead, what he chose to do is say, your mind, you need to recharge your mind. One one, uh, translation of this says, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind daily. Every day the fight begins. Guys, where I want to go with this today is to talk about this concept. Right thinking. When we let God control our minds, when we let God actually um, control our thought life, right thinking will lead to right living. Really important for us to understand. And you see this throughout the scripture. And I'm going to show you today a key prayer that Paul makes for a group of people that I think this prayer actually matters really deeply for us today. So we're grounding this series, Recharge, in uh, the book of Philippians. So uh, Philippians was a book that a guy named Paul wrote to uh, a group of people in a town named Philippi, an ancient city that's actually located in what is modern-day Greece. And just to remind you, Paul was a guy that actually hated Christians to begin with, and then um, he met Jesus, and his life completely changed, and now he was the biggest promoter of following Jesus of anybody. In fact, he wrote the majority of our New Testament. Paul is worried, though, about this city in Philippi. They they are people that have come to know who God is, but they have quickly kind of gone off track, and a lot of it has to do with how they think. They haven't used their minds in such a way that would allow them to uh, move away from the false stuff that's being taught to them, and they're swallowing it. They're taking it foolishly. Man, Paul is fired up, and you see this in a lot of his letters where he is trying to get us to think correctly about who God is. Now, Paul's not there in Philippi when he writes this. He's writing it from a distance. Paul is actually in Rome when he is writing uh, this letter to Philippi and has a courier take it. We actually think that when Paul was in Rome, he was in prison. And if you've ever been uh, to Rome in the Roman Forum, there's a prison called the Mamertine Dungeon that some people think is where Paul actually wrote these words. So the context matters. We've got to know the context of anything that we read in the Bible. And so this is Paul in prison writing this letter. He's got a courier that takes it to Philippi, but he's worried about how they're thinking. Look what he says, okay? So in Philippians chapter 1, uh, this is really important. He starts in verse 8 by saying, God, he's writing this, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. He's, um, this is so important, Some of us maybe have been in a church background where you just get screamed at or yelled at or whatever. The people in the Bible were not that way. Paul loved the people he was working with. That's like the most important beginning point. And so you got to read all this stuff because he's going to challenge them and he's going to challenge us. But it comes from a heart of love. I love you. I long for you. Man, if you run across a pastor that doesn't actually love people, run, okay? This... Paul knows that he loves his people, and he's making sure that they know this. I love you guys. I have longing for you. Look, look what he says in verse 9 then. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. So the, this love that God has put in your heart, 
My goal for this prayer, he's setting up the prayer. My goal for this prayer is that you will take that love, the love that God has shown you, and that it will overflow to other people. Hey, that's the beginning. Now, he's going to start with a prayer here, and he's going to actually pray for how we think. And, and here's the thing. You don't, you don't actually totally pick up on this in some translations of the Bible. Okay, the, the Bible's written in Greek, and then when it gets translated to different languages, sometimes you miss out on what was actually said. I want to walk you through today how Paul prays for our minds, because if you just read this prayer, you may not notice it. I want you to see it today, because it's really important, okay? Uh, and so he says, I, I want that love to overflow, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. Okay, I want to take a look at these two words for a second. He's praying for your mind. He's praying for my mind. He's praying for our mind as a church, praying for the Philippians. What does it mean? What do those two words mean? Knowledge and understanding. Okay, in the fight, the fight that goes on today, these words matter. Uh, this word knowledge, you know, it gets translated knowledge. That I want to show you what the actual word is that Paul wrote. He wrote a word. That was basically, it was this, it's epigonosco. Epigonosco is the word. Some of you guys might know a little bit of Greek. Maybe you've, um, or maybe some, somebody's a scholar in here. The word uh, knowledge, gnosis, right? The, the, you see it, there's this root here. And so when they translated uh, Paul's prayer, a lot of translations, like the one I read you, just took it and said knowledge. And so you, you can see the root here. Now here's a question for you. What's that? What did he need to add that epi on there for? Guys, when you add epi to something in Greek, it intensifies things, right? You're not just saying knowledge. You are saying an intensity of knowledge. You're saying full knowledge. You, you think about this. We still have this in our language. When, when an earthquake happens, we don't say, oh, yeah, the center of that earthquake was in L.A. What do we say? The epicenter the, the, the spot where it's located and radiates out from, that's what that means. When you use the word epi, you are saying, this isn't just knowledge. I want you to have full knowledge. Paul's building off what Jesus said when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Don't take that lightly. Man, epigenosco. Use your mind. Full knowledge, right? Go for it. Uh, I'm passionate about this, guys, because I, I, I've been a uh, student pastor for years before we started Ascent Church, and I have seen how this matters and how, just like the Philippians, we can get fooled by stuff that just flat out isn't true if we aren't actually practicing our knowledge and our mind and having epigonosco. Um, when we don't do this, I actually think we move around with a target on us. And I, I got to tell you, especially those of you middle and high school, I hope, listen up for a second. Uh, I've seen this so many times, 15 years worth of working with middle and high schoolers, where uh, middle and high schoolers, you know, you're part of a church, you're growing up, you're with your parents, things are cool, you go off to college, and let's just be honest, when you go to college, college freshmen are often the target for, that, for weird groups, okay? I'm telling you, weird groups will target college freshmen because... It's a time of redefining who I'm going to be. I'm away from my parents. I'm on my own. What do I really think outside of my house that I grew up on? And people prey on that. 
I cannot tell you how many times I have seen circumstances where kids have gone off to college and some, and this will happen. This will happen with some of you middle and high schoolers who are in this room right now. You'll go off to college and somebody will tell you, uh, oh man, you went to church in a warehouse in Colorado? You got baptized in a hot tub? Um, You know what? You, You know that doesn't count. You know that if you don't actually get baptized in our church, you know that if you don't actually believe what we believe here in this church, that God actually, it's not valid in God's eyes. God doesn't rescue you. God doesn't save you from your sin. You're still in sin because you got baptized in a hot tub in a warehouse. That's what they'll tell you. We laugh. I'm telling you, it happens. And for those of you guys, when that happens, you hear those words, would you just run? Run as fast as you can. Get away. But what happens is, is we grow up, and we as adults, we don't have a grasp on our faith. We can't explain what we believe. We can't communicate that to other people so that when we see arguments like that, sometimes we fold. And that's what he's praying for the people in Philippi, epigenosco, knowledge that expands. A couple weeks ago, there was an article that came out. Uh, Some of you guys know who Stephen Hawking is. He's a famous atheist. And Hawking died earlier this year, but somehow they got a hold of some of his old writings or something. So this new article came out, and uh, the headline was, Hawking... Uh, confirms God isn't possible. That was the headline that I saw. Now, I, gotta, I just tell you, like years ago, I would have read that or I would have seen something like, uh, some of you guys know who Richard Dawkins is, who I just saw an interview with him where he said, there's absolutely no evidence for the existence of God. Years ago, I would have seen an interview like that, read an article like the one about Hawking, and I would have, it would have rocked me. I'm, I'm fortunate a little bit that I feel like God's been taking me on a journey for more full knowledge where I look at those and I go, man, I, I respect you. I, you know, you had a conviction on what you believe. That's a, a lot more than what a lot of people do. But I can tell you from, from just my own conviction on it and studying, actually looking science, going, I think the staunch atheist is actually taking a bigger leap of faith than me who would believe that there's a creator of the universe. And for me, anyway, that's one way I've tried to exercise the idea of full knowledge. Don't be afraid of science. In fact, embrace it. You know, business, philosophy, there should not be naive Christians. That's what Paul's saying. Epigenosco, full knowledge. Um, I had a mentor once say to me, and I love this, never forgot it, said to me, a growing Christian is a reading Christian. You want to see a growing Christian, they have a book, and they're reading something. What are you reading right now? What's expanding your world on what you understand of the Scripture? When we go off to college and we get targeted, often it's because we haven't understood the Scripture and spent time in Scripture, grown it, epigenosco, let it grow, get it the fullness. Uh, some of us are like, man, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. Can I make you an offer? I hope some of you will take me up on this this week. Uh, if you have something that you feel like, I just, I, I feel like I don't know enough about this or that, or maybe it's how to start in the Bible or how I don't understand, I'm trying to forgive someone and I don't know how to go about that or I, I wouldn't actually be able to explain my faith to someone else. If there's anything like that, and we all do have those, I'll make you a little offer. Email me. Email me this week. Let me know what you're thinking. Either me or someone else on our team will email you back. 
and we'll point you to a great book or we'll point you to some passage of scripture and we'll just say, hey, go for this, try this, epigonosco, expand that, right? What we're trying to get to is this place where Paul talks about in another letter, the second letter he writes to a church in Corinth where he says this great phrase, he says, we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. When we wake up in the morning, do we have an idea in our heads of, I'm going to take my thoughts captive today. I had an old youth pastor who used to say to me, I'd say something that was negative or pessimistic, and he would say, oh, you got to 10-5 that. He's talking about this passage. You, uh, take that negativity, 10-5 that. Make that captive to who Christ is. That's, that's the concept that Paul is praying for us with. But he doesn't stop there. Remember, that second word was understanding. I'm praying for you for knowledge, but I'm also praying for you for understanding. What, is, what does understanding mean? Here's the word that he uses because he, you're not, you don't get it in English. The word is ice face. Okay, so this is the word where we get the idea of aesthetics, the way something looks. You can also think of it as the way we might size something up. How, how does something look aesthetically? Okay, the, the idea of aesthese is when I, when I see something, what, do I have common sense? Do I size it up correctly? Tell me this. We all know someone, or maybe we are ourselves, somebody who has a lot of knowledge, full of book smarts, but lacks common sense. Paul's saying, I want you to have knowledge, but you've got to have common sense. You've got to apply what you know in a way that actually matters in real life living. Uh, I give you, ah, oh, Jesus, this is bad. So here's an example. Um, Karen and I, my wife, we're in a war, a constant battle over plastic cups, okay? <coughs> you guys know this is true, that um, when guys go off to college, they start a lifelong journey of trying to accumulate plastic cups. So I, I go to college, right? I go to the game. I go to the concert. They give me a plastic commemorative cup. I want to keep that. Uh, I want the bigger, the better. What I want to do is I want to sit on the couch. I want to watch the show. I don't want to worry about a glass breaking. I actually don't want to get up a bunch of times and go fill up my cup with whatever. I just want a big old plastic cup. Karen hates these things, okay? She hates them. She thinks I'm getting cancer when I drink out of them. She's thinking they don't look good. She wants me to drink out of glasses. I, I just, I want plastic cups. Karen is totally winning this fight. Uh, I am down to two plastic cups right now, you guys. <laughs> It stinks. So she is beating me silly. I've got an Alamo Bowl cup, which was an awful game a couple years ago, but it's a nice cup because it's really big. And I've got a Rockies commemorative cup. Those are my last two cups. So that's going on. In the background of all this, something you've got to know in my family about how they perceive me, it's kind of true, I will eat just about anything that I see laying around the house. So if Karen cooks something, and let's say one of the boys eats half the hot dog, if it is still sitting on the counter three, four hours later, I will probably eat it, okay? I, I actually got a, a, it wasn't Giardia, it was called Cryptosporidium. I got this a few years ago because I ate something that I shouldn't have eaten. I lost 10 pounds in 10 days and didn't get off the couch. So I, I know that I shouldn't do this, but I, I still do it. So the other day, <coughs> I'm walking through the house, and there on our island in our kitchen, it's one of my plastic cups, I'm like, yes, my Rockies cup sitting there on the kitchen counter. 
I walk over, I look in it, there's water in it. I'm going, I didn't fill this up. Because I don't remember filling this up, but nobody else drinks out of this plastic cup, so maybe I did fill it up. So I grab it, and I'm like, you know, I, this is my cup, so if somebody else did fill it up with water, it's their fault anyway, I'm just going to drink it. So I grab it, and I just start taking down my water out of the plastic cup. Walking around the house, Karen sees me and says, you did not just drink out of that cup. I go, well, you know what I thought? I thought, oh, she's trying to get rid of one of my two cups. Like, you're darn right, I just drank out of my cup. This is my cup. And we're not going to, I get one swipe at the credit card, and we will have lots of plastic cups around this house, you know? So she goes, Jim, I was just cutting Josh's hair, and I was using that cup for the, for the comb and for the scissors. You know? thinking, man, that tasted stringy, and I didn't know why. <laughs> I'm taking down my kid's red locks of hair out of the plastic cup. This lacks common sense. It's a lack of common sense, you guys. I know. I, I, I had Giardia. I should know. I know what that is. Why am I still doing stuff? I'm not translating knowledge into common sense, everyday, do this kind of stuff. That's what Paul's talking about. Uh, uh, more serious level. Uh, last week or two weeks ago, that guy goes into the synagogue in Pittsburgh and starts shooting people. Do you know how he justified that? He, took, he, he knew his Bible. He took a passage from John chapter 8, Jesus' own words. It actually infuriates me. He took Jesus' own words and he said, I'm, I'm using this as justification for what I did in shooting these uh, Jews in the synagogue, right? Completely missed the point. Knows his Bible, full of knowledge, absolutely wrong application. Man, we got we to gotta have common sense. Dallas Willard has a comment on this. It's so important for Christians to have both of these. Here's what Dallas Willard says. The prospering of God's cause on earth depends on his people thinking well. Check that out. The prospering of God's cause on earth. Another kind of phrase that would mean the kingdom of God. The prospering of the kingdom of God depends on his people thinking well. All right. Anybody feel a little pressure on that statement, honestly? I, I'm feeling pressure. That, that makes me nervous. Well, how do we get here then? Is it, uh, this, a, a quote like that could make me go, oh, geez, man, I, effort. Uh, man, if I don't earn that somehow, I'm going to mess up. You know how I think we get common sense? Uh, the only time I've ever had the minor amounts of common sense I have, it, it's come when I have prayed to God that the Holy Spirit would give it to me. The source of common sense is not ourselves. The source of common sense is when we're praying to God, God, by, by your Spirit, you're the translator Take what I know and turn it into how I should see the world around me with common sense, with ice, they say, how I size things up. This is, this is the prayer that Paul's praying for us, man. He, he's after it. He's, he's already up in their grill now saying, this is what I'm praying for you. This is a key prayer. Okay, <clears throat> look at verse 10. He's going to use one more word that I want to show you. In verse 10 it says, for I want you to understand, there's, there's that 
same word translated in English again. I, w- I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Holy cow, what a vision to live a pure and blameless life until the day of Christ's return. Again, he is tying the way we think to the way we live. Right thinking results in right living. Uh, What does this word mean? For I want you to understand. Again, if you're reading this in English, you may plow right through this and never notice that actually these are two different Greek words. So the word understand that we used in the last verse, and now it's translated understand again in verse 10, they're actually different. And the reason is, it's so hard to uh, translate what this actual word is in just one phrase. So the word is this. The word he uses here is the word diaphero. Here's here's how we understand what this word means. Uh, I know there's people named Chris in this room. Your name is Christopher. The root of this word is right here. It's pharaoh. If your name is Christopher, this is the root of your word. It means to bring forth, to bear something, to take it somewhere. So if your name's Christopher, the idea is I'm bringing Christ. I'm bearing Christ. I'm taking Christ somewhere with me. That's the idea. So what, is, what does this mean then? So we're, we're bringing something, but, but where are we bringing it? The word dia means to completely go through something. So uh, those of you guys in math, when the, when the teacher professor is asking you for the diameter, dia, dia, we're asking you to draw a line completely through something from beginning to end. I'm going to take something with me and I'm going to carry it all the way through. Diaphero means take what you know and take your common sense and live it out. Bear it with you. Bring it into the world. Man, don't just know something. Don't just have common sense about it. Now do it. That's what he's saying. This is the prayer he's making, right? There's all this stuff that's competing for these people in in Philippi. There is all this stuff that is competing for you and me right now. Epigonosco, full knowledge. Let the spirit translate that into common sense and then go and live it out. That's his prayer. To live something out. Man, I got to tell you, this is the hardest one. The hardest one is to live it out. Uh, I'll tell you a theory. I actually think sermons are very dangerous. Uh, And especially the more you hear, the more dangerous it gets. Here's why. I think when you hear talks like this week after week, uh, by the way, I'm not encouraging you not to come to church, just to make clear. But the more more you hear talks week after week, let's face it, I'll say some things here you guys will forget maybe the second you leave out the door. Or maybe, maybe I'll say something and you feel convicted by it. Maybe you feel like, that's, that's God speaking to me. Like, like Brian was praying. Like we sang. That's God speaking to me. I need to listen to that. And so maybe we get knowledge and we see how it ought to apply, but then we don't actually do it. And did you know that when you actually know something but don't do it, your brain actually rewires there is so much stuff about this right now in neuroscience that says when you know something and don't actually follow through and you repeat that over and over again, you just make it easier the next time to blow it off completely. I would honestly rather have you listen to a message like this and say to yourself, I'm not going to do that. That would actually be a better thing 
than to say, I'm going to do that and not follow through. We, guys, when somebody actually follows through with something that God is speaking to them about and that God is giving them common sense about and then they actually go ahead and do it, that is something to cheer wildly for, to celebrate. That's a big deal. Honestly, when we talk about stuff that's going on in the community where some people in this room are heavily involved in blessing the teachers, blessing the school district, blessing local nonprofits. We will tell those stories in here. Man, let's make a deal. Never again golf claps, right? We got to go all in on that because somebody is doing Diaferro. Somebody has taken what they know, common sense, and now they're living it out in the world. That's the hardest thing in the world to do. What's God maybe asking you today to draw a line from where you're at currently and bear it out in the world? Draw that line all the way to the other end to take it with you. What is God asking you to do that maybe we're not right now? I want to end with a couple questions. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three questions that I uh, pray you'll think about and then want to do a little practice around something too. Here, here are the three questions I want to ask you about this stuff. Here, here's question one. Could you describe what you believe? If somebody asked you, like, well, tell me why you're a Christian because I'm not. Could you say why? Are there, could you explain some of the concepts of our faith to someone when they ask you? I, I'm not asking this to shame anybody, by the way. Not at all. But I'm asking this because this is, this is I think, what Paul is praying, not just for Philippi, but for us. And we, if we can't explain what it is that we believe, we've got work to do, and there's no shame in that. But let's go. Let's do it. Let's, let's go for this epigenosco. Let's do it. So can you describe what you believe? Second question is this. What are you letting in to your mind that you should not be letting in? Uh, and I'll just say, like, whether it's music, the stuff we watch, the hours we spend on social media, uh, don't kid yourself. That's affecting you. I really do believe that the phrase garbage in, garbage out is true when it comes to our minds here. One of the things I'm working on is uh, when I get in my car, I love to listen to uh, talk radio, especially sports talk radio. I'm trying to actually replace that practice with listening to podcasts. So I'm taking, you'd be surprised, right? We all know we spend a lot of time in our cars. It, it, you replace that time with something. I'm, I'm listening to some podcasts on like, how do I lead in the way that Jesus would want me to lead? I got to tell you guys, I've been doing that. And this week, it did not hurt me to not hear Alfred and DMAC talking about why DT got traded to the Texans, okay? I actually really benefited from not hearing that, as much as a sports fan as I am. Where, where, where do you have a sloppy mind habit? Where are the sloppy habits that we have of what we're letting into our mind, and we need to go, God, replace that. Third question, what should you be carrying somewhere else? Is there something that God is saying, Diaferro? Don't just think, don't just common sense. I want you to do. And we've been holding back, and it's time to move all the way across the circle. Where is that, that God is working on you today? Or that? Uh, just take a second. Is, does one of these questions hit you? Is it maybe it's just one of these questions that you go, I, that's today. Tomorrow, when the alarm goes off, that's, that's what I'm going to think about. That's where I'm going to go with it. I want us to practice something right now. 
one of the greatest things you can do for your mind is to actually uh, worship God, to, to praise God in a way that puts God first in your mind. Did you know if you put God first in your mind, uh, it's kind of the big rock that should go in first. The other rocks fall in where they should. And so that's why, guys, when we sing, it is so important. It's not a filler. It's not a transition. Uh, when we sing, this is about actually us connecting to God in an emotional way that involves our minds as well. I, I actually have a dream about this, that um, over the coming months, that our church, I think this is a huge area for our church to grow in. Uh, what I am dreaming of is when you come inside these curtains, that we come in expecting for God to speak, and that, that is such a huge part of what Becky and her team do every week, is singing. I, I'm praying, actually, don't run out of the room here when the sermon's done. Let's stay, look at these two songs, look at the words of these two songs, order where God is first in our minds, and belt it out back to him. Sing, sing, sing. I want to pray. God, please help us to do this. It's easier said than done, uh, but you do care about our minds. Uh, and we know, Lord, that there is a fight that is going on in this room in our lives, in my life, every single day where the wrong things are trying to move in on what I think about and affect my living. And I pray, God, that you would be the controller of that. So we pray for uh, your spirit in this, the great translator. Uh, we pray that you would give us the courage to be a Pharaoh, to take it forward into the world. Lord, would you speak to us? And as we sing this song, God, we pray that... Uh, our minds would be captured by you. In Jesus' name, amen.